six months ago today, I was X many miles away from home in the hospital. In a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, I should have looked up how many miles away. Many miles. Many miles. I mean, six, five days of driving with a lot of stops in between. <laughs> Felt like a lot longer because the kids, you know, well, it was packed really in a minivan. It was really good. But yeah, today is my six-month anniversary of my stroke. Happy half a stroke anniversary! Thank you. Uh, so I honestly, the first, I don't remember if it was like the first month or the first month at home, I felt a lot of nervousness and trepidation, like, I don't know, like a superstition, if you will, that I was going to re-stroke or something. Well, that's somewhat factual. Most people restroke in the first month after their stroke. Uh, well, but I mean that it would be on the day. Like, oh no, this is the day I stroked. Oh, okay, I see. Here it comes again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've kind of, like, it's been in the back of my mind on each anniversary, kind of-ish. But this one felt like a big one, and I was like, how am I going to do with it? But it's, it's been more reflecting on, like our lives in the hospital and that I actually kind of look back on fondly. Is that weird? No. (laughs) Do you look on it fondly? I mean, it was horrible. No, but I understand that. Like, you know, I've done commercial fishing, things like that before where you develop bonds through the trials and that's our, all of our military brothers and sisters would, understand that entirely you develop in the worst situations and circumstances you do develop some pretty tight friendships or feelings and that doesn't translate into the real world when you come back but it doesn't make any less real well because no one experienced it with you right hey so this one day i had a stroke it was so funny i mean like we laugh about the stroke us around the house (laughs) but like yeah, I don't think everyone can't. would get that humor. No. <laughs> like they didn't get the humor in the hospital for me. Um, but yeah, just how grateful I am for the people. And just remembering what it was like to go through all that. Remembering um, looking at the clock. And it was 4.45. Um, and I was in the ER. And I didn't know what what was going on. I mean, you know, what was gonna happen to me, where we would go here from where we would go from there. Because I was in the ER. There's all these people working around me. And I was afraid they were gonna cut off my clothes. <laughs> like you see in movies. <laughs> no. That's silly. But I was. A lot of silly fears that go through your head. I was like, oh no, what if they were coming for my clothes with scissors? It's like how I made the kids clean the van in the middle of all that. Because yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure what was going to happen. We'd been on the road for so many days in the van. I was like, I don't know, maybe CPS comes and takes them away because, you know, we've been <laughs> living out of the van for on a camping road trip. And, um, you know, we very much were vagrant kind of weirdly vagrant feeling i didn't want anybody to i didn't want anybody to think that so i made it was like they're making them clean the van out 
That's weird. But you know what? It probably gave them a job. Oh, yeah. Something to do other than just waiting. Oh, I had to keep them busy. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're all melting down in varieties of ways. But but you've had great, you know, is it hard for you to remember how far you've come? It it is. And part of why (laughs) I was thinking about that tonight, um, aside from it being the six-month mark, Yay, I didn't have a restroke in six months. We'll see what happens in the next one. Sorry. Um, we, I have finally succumbed to the great bad of illness here. I have a common cold. But on top of the stroke, um, yeah, like last night I went to bed and I was like, oh no, it's upon me. Um, but uh, it just, on top of the stroke... I am tired, and I was walking around, and I was like, oh, I'm a little unsteady, and I'm all dizzy, and it's the same feeling I had, like, always in the beginning. Why don't you list some of your problems, challenges, successes? <laughs> um, no oh goodness. Uh, problems. Huh. Are you talking physical mm-hmm. or emotional? Mental. Let's separate those two. Let's go physical. This will be a physical check-in next podcast. Okay. Um. I, my ankle hurts, and that's random. It's my, it's my main ankle. I don't know if I did something to it or not. Maybe it is remembering its anniversary because the last two Januarys or Februarys I sprained it. So maybe it's feeling sad. Sorry. <laughs> it hurts. And I have problems, what, with my shoulder popping in and out? I don't know what it's doing. The sassy shoulder or your good shoulder? The sassy one. The sassy new one. Do you want to explain what sassy is? It is. <sighs> okay. Where to begin? A long time ago. No, I'm just kidding. I was reading this book about strokes, as usual, and it was really interesting because it talked about some of the science behind that old saying about the power of words and how what we say truly affects us on the cellular level as far as like affecting um, like what genes turn on and off and it's incredible the power of words um but then also the body on the mind and it's like this cycle and it is so amazing but you have to be careful because you can really easily use it for bad and we talk about like you should be thinking of these good things and these positive things and imagining like a good future for you but that feels weird and foreign and people are like Oh, I don't have a good imagination, but you can really easily imagine the worst. Um, And I think we often do. And so it was just about the power of words and thinking um, from science and how that applies to stroke recovery. And there were several applications, but one of them is that um, you would call... um, for me, the right side, their stroke-affected side. Well, that is a mouthful. 
So, a lot of times people just refer to it as the bad side. But when there is something bad, we tend to not want to deal with it, look at it, put it away. Um, We want to ignore it, and we don't want to have anything to do with it. And it's... We might not think that directly, but it's there in us. You don't want to have anything to do with the bad side. It facilitates learned disuse. Yeah. You, you then, of course, continue to favor right. the functional side. And actions do. Like, I remember early on trying to, like, put something in the cupboard, cupboard with my hand. Like, I had put something in my hand with my left hand into my sassy hand. And then put it in the cupboard with the sassy hand. And then I knocked over everything in the cupboard, trying to let go of it. And so, it's just like the bad side. It's annoying. But. What does sassy stand for? Stroke affected side. There you go. Um, But the idea that if you call it sassy, that's kind of fun, kind of playful. My 10-year-old thinks it's hilarious. He's like, it is sassy. It doesn't do what you want it to. And it's kind of crazy. He's sassy. But you also, if you're saying something is sassy, it's like a an an object to tame a little bit. Like yeah. there's a sense like, well, just gotta get it under control. That That's sassy two year old. He just needs to be taught a few things. He's cute though. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, or or else your new side, because likewise with a new side, with a child, a new child, we wouldn't chide them for not walking properly, but we think it's cute that their efforts are. Um, enduring and praiseworthy. Like, yeah, you did it. You fell over after one second, but you did such a good job. And that is how um, a stroke person should be treating their affected side because it is going to fall over and fail on you a lot. It turns out Christine was pretty intuitive in naming her arm Cortana and her hand, Esmeralda. Mm, my you know. head is Cortana. Your head is Cortana. Cortana tells Master Chief what to do. Master Chief's the arm. Yeah. The hand is... You better watch out because I learned how to stretch Master Chief all the way out. Yeah. But it turned out that she, she was intuitively understanding some things that we then read later in stroke books about what you really need to do to get it back. And that's part of it is... Naming it, it, babying it, separating it, and and understanding it as not part of your personal identity, but a thing to be worked with um, and regained. And and by doing that, you leave a lot of the negative stuff behind. Now, in like education, um, it's really important to tell Mm -hmm. like a kid, and this parenting too, tell a kid what you want them to do, not what you don't want them to do. So if I say, don't hit your brother. The brain doesn't connect with that negative word the don't the, don't. the not those kind of words now logically they know it but the brain files it away anyhow as hit your brother it doesn't it doesn't factor in the don't it usually just hears the last couple words we read it it's true yeah it it, <laughs> it, it is it's very scientifically true so so true that um stroke recovery uh they've got it dialed to nuances in other words we're we're supposed to say instead of saying oh you know when somebody asks and you actually give them an answer right you're not supposed to be like um you know tell them the truth of whatever it is 
why? Not, not but telling the truth. But if it's just truth, someone but... who's looking for a, like a quick little sum answer. up of everything. Yeah, they don't want to hear your life story. They just, you know, they're asking to be polite or whatever. Um, the way that you say it is, it's, it's not, not easy. easy. But I'm getting better every day. Right. Or, you know, if somebody asks me, I say, she's getting better. Or we are getting better every day. Um, but it's the it's not easy part. All your brain hears is it's easy, which is very important. Logically, you know it's not easy, but you don't hear that negative. You just track the last two words. It is not easy. <laughs> no, it isn't. Yeah, uh, but language being very important. Uh, one other way that they looked at that is um, for stroke recovery is in terms of what we, I guess, call ourselves. Um, so one of the original, I don't know if this is like the original thing, but it goes around that you would call people who've experienced a stroke a stroke victim. Well, just if you stop for a minute and think about what does the word victim conjure up to you in your mind? And for me, it's this really bedraggled person stumbling out of the sea or somewhere and their clothes are tattered and torn and they're almost like a cartoon with like like a pound sign on their face where they've been beat up and they're smudged with dirt and their hair is just askew like mine is a lot. <laughs> they're just beat up. They're a victim. And some people resonate with the idea of being a victim in the sense that it's not your fault. You didn't cause this. And that is true. But... um. It's not very powerful or motivating to think of yourself as a victim. And so there was this um, this terminology to think of yourself as a survivor, a stroke survivor. Now, I don't know what you guys see, but I didn't really watch the show Survivor. But so for me, my image is like a person in like a little yellow inflatable raft in the middle of the ocean and, like, the ship went down or something, but they're intact. They even have intact clothing and maybe some rations. And so they're all intact, but they're just floating in the ocean, waiting to be rescued. They survived, and that's it. And surviving is good. But I don't think it's enough. And I was telling that to Kit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I on one of these podcasts, I cornered you on this, what do you want to be called? And you really didn't have a thing at that time. And I believe that I was pressing you to go with Stroke Fighter because I... Stroke Fighter? Yeah, I like, I like Is the Is that image. Street Fighter? What am I singing? I don't know, but it's... <laughs> I, I don't know. I have commandeered something. A lot, of peop- a lot of people go by a Stroke Warrior as well, which is kind of along the same lines. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, I'm just kidding. And Christine wasn't really comfortable with that, and she had some pretty interesting rationale for that. So I do resonate with the idea of being a fighter or a warrior because I have to wage battle every day. But the idea of that being my identity for this time, or really I'm maybe dealing with this lifelong, um, the idea of getting up every morning... And going into war? And that's all that I do? Sounds exhausting. 
And also, like... Hopeless. Yeah. It's just kind of like, who wants to, you know, storm Troy for the rest of their life? We fight for what we believe in, but we want to go home sometimes. And we want to... We want to thrive. Yeah, live. So the, the other term that has been suggested is stroke thriver. And it's not as catchy, I don't think, or as easy to say as the others, but, um... But it's what you are. Yeah, I think it's hopeful. And this one makes me think of a plant. But, um, just, like, growing wherever. Like, you're gonna grow. And so I was telling Kit, like, it's not enough to survive. And he's like, well, but maybe that's all you'd be capable of, like... Since you had a shipwreck analogy, I, I believe instead of switching too quick to the plant, you ought I to like go with... I like my green plant. What about Robinson Crusoe? Like, you, like, you made it to the island, right? You got out of the mm-hmm. shipwreck, but then you, like, started your own gardens, and you started figuring he out how to He planted trees and made a living fence. Right. And he accidentally planted corn. Right. <laughs> sure, if that makes you happy. <laughs> I just think you it's have to plant. have a consistent analogy. You can imagine the plant wherever you want. Okay. I'm going to grow. Thrive. But yeah, you you were saying like, what if it's like thriving? I mean, sorry. What if surviving is all that someone is capable of or that you're capable of that day? Right. Because when you this first happened to you, guess which one of the analogies you looked like? Which one, Kit? The warrior? No. Mighty. Shira. I mean, the truth is, you, you look like a victim. Yeah. You oh, come yeah. out like just, you're just dazed and confused and. I couldn't do anything. I. Bedraggled is a weak word for it, an understatement. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but I I said, like. Thriving doesn't mean getting up and walking. So I could thrive if I had never gotten anything back. It's a choice. Yeah, thriving is the state of mind. It's the power. It's finding purpose. It's loving others. It's taking joy in all circumstances. And trials of various kinds. It's having hope. Thriving is worth getting up for. I think we should end this stroke anniversary on on that. It's a big day for Christine to make it to to make it to six months. Um, a lot of you know the closer to the stroke event is higher likelihood that you restroke. That doesn't mean that risks or dangers are gone or anything. And the first five years are, you know, pretty scary, risky. But life's risky. Every the first month, hitting that first month, then hitting three months, and then six months, you pirates just, can always attack your ship. Yeah, but your odds get a little better as time goes, as you move beyond the event and you are thriving. I just realized the plant analogy goes really well with work the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> remember whether you're whether you've had a major medical event or not or you just want to use 
the power of words to help reshape your life, remember that it's not hocus pocus. It's, it's actual, very important, positive thinking lessons that can reshape you and your family. Yes. One other thing that I talked about was how negative words and tone of voice can actually suppress the immune system. And it, it got fancier and more technical than that. But then also nurturing positive words and tone of voice can help, like, what's the word? Like, jumpstart it, like, prime it, get it going. Awesome. So, I, and that's we for- love you guys. You're so awesome. Good job listening. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and I think it's interesting, like, if this has made me think, to choose to be a thriver is an important state of being not because you might need it right now and you're allowed to struggle oh yeah some days you go to work and you're surviving and you're not thriving yeah, i get that but you can if struggle 20 years from now over small things it's human but, but you it, like choose to thrive but if you if you have that thrive mindset prior oh, yeah. to something bad happening I think you're more likely to bounce back. And you have to get in there, like, kind of quick. As something else I was reading was that, like, from thought to action takes, like, five seconds, I think. Mm-hmm. So if you think, I should put down my phone and talk to my spouse or my kids or clean my house, like, if you don't do it in those first five seconds, you're probably not going to. At least not again. Not until the thought comes again that you have another chance. And then when that thought comes, like, you have to seize it. Yeah. So that's that's the same thing. Like, of negative thinking, like, stop it in its tracks. If you can, like, but the more that you do something, the more that you stop the negative thoughts and you think thriving thoughts, the more that you choose to work the dirt in front of you and not carry burdens and what ifs, like, you create a pattern. You create a neural pathway in your brain. The more you think positive, the easier it is to think positive, which makes you healthier. Which is super critical for everything that Christina is doing. She's not getting stuff back. She's growing new neural pathways, which takes an incredible amount of energy. And a lot of people don't ever get it back. And it's not always because they couldn't or that they wouldn't. A lot of times it's just a choice. I mean, because sometimes you can't. Yeah, sometimes you can't. Um, but also, it takes so much willpower and effort. I think a lot of people literally just at some point choose to just start living. Right, because it takes all your willpower. And so I've had to look down on that and say, okay, I'm not ready yet. I'm still really mentally healing, so there's no point in choosing to stop yet or anything. And I'm still making progress. But when do I decide it's enough? Like, do I spend six hours a day, every day, for the rest of my life trying to get my hand back and, like, miss my kid's childhood? By the way, when she says six hours a day and I say that she spent because of that, I'm not talking like spent how somebody normal gets tired. I'm talking when a stroke victim gets spent. <gasps> she said victim. A stroke <laughs> thriver. 
When a stroke thriver... Aren't, isn't negative thinking and negative words so easy? Oh, yeah. It's always... Negative is always easier. I mean, think about how much easier it is to complain than to do something about what you think needs fixed, right? I mean, that's human nature. Easier to complain. It's such a base level kind of way to operate, right? But we are all guilty of it. And we all do that. Ooh, but we caught it really quick. And now I would like to tell you that I'm sorry for interrupting. And what you were going to say was important to me. What was it? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, you've kind of derailed me. I, I can't really remember. You said um, when stroke thrivers. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, when, when you're trying to recover, you're not, you're not getting things back. You're building new neural pathways and it takes an incredible amount of energy and at some point, a lot of people just decide to start living because when she does six hours of therapy and then suddenly she's tired, it, you're interpreting that different. A stroke victim that's tired crashes, crashes a stroke, a stroke driver crashes in a way that is, um, you have to think like a four-year-old. Oh. What did you, what did you tell me earlier? Like uh, a kid who ate leftover Halloween candy and played with flash... Overstimulated by blinking lights. Overstimulated by, by blinky toys and then just crashes on the floor. And that's There's when a story we, behind this. Probably sound, a million. We sound like we're joking, but no, I mean it. I mean, it's like you have this person who is completely intelligent and capable and then suddenly, boom, it turns off and it's a different deal. And that's that's called flooding and oh. it's and it's 100% normal. To have flooding in stroke victims, particularly. You did it again. You, Gosh, you before. I can't stop. I can't stop. Okay. Before we read that book, it was like, you should not call yourself a stroke victim. I don't think it's healthy. It got in my head. No one should say it. Also, I was referring to others and not you. <laughs> See how that's, that's the rest of, no, just kidding. Um. Okay, so you want to talk about, we should. Drivers. How do we um, link? We should. There is a super awesome video out there that's 10 minutes long if you want to know about flooding. But yeah. I can try and tell you about it because... Why don't you just summarize it for everybody? I mean, there'll be we can talk more or elaborate more on flooding later. But what is flooding and what triggers it? Flooding is something that happens to people who've had trauma to the brain. So you're in a room. Wherever you are. I'm in my room. And there's clothes... You know, picture what, what, look around carefully, like every single object in this room, every single color, every shade of the color, every sound you can hear quietly, even sounds like your heartbeat. You could hear that right now if you stopped and paid attention to your heartbeat. You could feel it. You can feel weird little things in your body. There might be people around. There might be conversations going on. I don't know where you are. But your brain is filtering them out so you can pay attention to whatever it is that you've deemed important at this time. And that's me and Kit in this podcast. Just kidding. Um, so, but when your brain is injured, its ability to filter like that is impaired. So for different people, different parts of that are going to bother them. But 
the brain is not able to f- filter that out anymore. And so, like, we, I talked about how I couldn't stop hearing my heartbeat. That's one thing. My brain isn't saying, oh, no, that's not a sound I need to focus on. It's going, oh, here's a sound. Here we go. And so you can't filter out those things. And different people have different triggers, such as, um, like, in the grocery store, I guess, flooding can happen from just the colors around. And all sorts of things can happen. It can feel like the room is spinning, like your head is spinning. Um, you can shut down and just not be able to speak. You can have outbursts of anger, maybe hitting. You can have Have you ever had crying. that, have you, you don't have to answer that. <laughs> it's okay. I have fried. And I did hit you the other day. Why did you make me say no, that? don't say that. You weren't <laughs> supposed to say you, that. You asked me on the air. <laughs> oh, no. No, that was not. Maybe I have to delete all this. It was really good up to this point. Oh, but you know what? We're being real. It okay. didn't hurt you. No, it didn't. And the deal is um, it's it's just literally like Christine has never had an issue like this I in her entire life. I felt super bad. It's stroke. super bad. It is. It I is, feel super bad right now. It is stroke related. <laughs> I don't hit normally. It's it's a five year old mind. It's like flailing. Yeah, it was just flailing. It's fine. It wasn't like a thing. Oh, it's horrible. But the deal is your person, your family member, your friend, your loved one or whatever that has had a stroke is Well brain injury. It's not stroke only. Any brain injury. They are as smart as they've ever been. There are stories of people being trapped inside their own head and everybody thought they were vegetable and they talked about them. <coughs> and that person remembered every single word because all they were experiencing was aphasia where... Well, I mean, maybe other things too, like inability to move their mouth or... True, true, true. But you had the filing cabinet analogy, which I thought was really good. I want you to share that for what oh, it's like aphasia. with somebody with aphasia. It's like a room full of filing a cabinet, filing cabinets loaded full of paper and like a wrecking ball comes and knocks everything around and it's flooded with paper. And now someone comes in and says, please get that one document and you have to get it right now. So and the, so the person with aphasia can't access yeah. the word they need that fast. It's there in the room. And because it's there in the room, they're as smart as they've ever been. And that's the weird thing about this kind of brain injury is you can't actually discount that person, their will, their intelligence, their right to choose. Any of, all of that stuff is still super important to them. It's just that they can't access the things that they need at that moment to communicate with you. It's not that they don't actually understand. No, we actually can't promise. We don't know about every case. Right. It's all different. But that has been a common occurrence. Yeah. Um, oh, so flooding and how embarrassing it is um, happens as a result of overstimulation to the brain trying to take it all in and it can't take it all in. You don't know how to deal with it. So it like kind of shuts down or acts out. And recovery, you can recover from this. It's not a permanent state. Recovery from flooding probably depends on the severity of the flooding. So I've had flooding that just took me two minutes of deep breathing and I was fine. Like one time Kate was bouncing a ball and I was trying to tell him something. The ball bouncing flooded me. And I was like, get the, 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 the. 
the the I just couldn't yeah. say you're flooding me. The ball bouncing is destroying my ability to think or speak. Yeah. Um so that was an example of he stopped. I just took a few breaths. I could move on. But um It's a challenge for me and the kids. We're not real great at it like we know what does it, we know, but sometimes the kids want to argue or I want to argue or we all want to say our own thing and we don't or know. Or say it in like a grumpy voice. Grumpy voices flood me more right. than, like you can say you don't agree with me, but if you're like, I don't agree, <laughs> that's how kid talks. Just kidding. That's how I talk 24-7. Just, just like that. So... But the the truth is, like, the boys and I know and understand a lot more about flooding and triggers, which we, we've alluded to all of this in the podcast before. We just didn't have a name for it. The name is flooding, and it's extremely common. And um, it's very important that you have a name for it so you know what's happening and you can control it. Because yeah. there are ways to control this. And that's the good news is we're finding <coughs> lots of ways to short-circuit flooding. Right. And so – on the flip side of the two minutes of breathing, it can also take weeks if it's real severe. And it makes you exhausted and it makes you not able to grow neural pathways in that time. So you can't heal because your brain has to heal from the event of flooding. Yeah. But so- um, the strategies for dealing with it are number one, avoiding. Um, and then as you begin to f- feel better... They suggest um, making a list of your triggers and as you feel able, tackling the one that bothers you the least for a really short duration and then leaving. And then try it again. So repeatedly exposing yourself in small doses. And go to a party for 20 minutes. Because cross-talking is one of the things that does it for So if five people are talking at the same time. Or even just two conversations. Which is just very normal for any family function or any party function or depending on the room or the situation set up could have echoing or moving noisy kids or whatever. Her brain, because of the basal ganglia, <laughs> was, you know, was the affected um, area in her, from her stroke. And that really is the multitasking center. And it cannot hear just one voice anymore it can't tune the others out so she literally if four people are having a conversation she is hearing all four of those thoughts at the same time and her brain will work to hear all of those words at the exact same time even though i tell it shut up i just want to hear this person who's talking to me don't listen to the rest can't do it and there are times where it's okay like sometimes i can do it Sometimes I can't. And if there's multiple triggers for me, that makes it harder. Um, Yeah, multiple talking does it. A lot of movement in the room does it. Um, Mess in my house does it. (laughs) I don't think anywhere else. Just in my house. Uh, Just noise that I haven't chosen, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, if I'm hungry or tired, decision-making can do it. Yeah, and that's tough because she's still that same smart person and she wants to be involved in all the decisions, have a say in consideration all decisions. But sometimes she actually can't 
really make the decision. And sometimes I can, which is nice because in the beginning yeah. it was harder. Oh, yeah. But we should we should stress that. You have gotten way better. Yeah, I like, have. It's getting better every day. Oh, yeah. I love See you. So yeah, I did that? I did. It's not easy, but it's getting better every day. Yes, and, it and, is. And that is a 100% truth. Oh, I know. Like the first few times that I flooded here at the house... I know what was going on. It went forever, and now it it's less long, depending on the situation. Um, lack of routine. Sorry, I'm just going through my list because I have a list on my phone of triggers, so I know what they are. Decision making and repeating myself, because my brain wants to move on, hmm. and having to repeat it over and over and over again. That have any relation to parenting at all? I mean, I don't know. Do you know. ever you find you have to repeat yourself? I said clean up your spill. I'm just like, I don't know what the problem was. Yeah, that's, um, that's a challenge. And multitasking. So I have found a little bit of multitasking. I'm able to juggle two things sometimes. But if you throw a third thing in the mix, it's too much for me. Well, when you first got home, you could hardly handle one thing. So you're doing pretty right. good. Oh, right. It's so huge. All I could really handle was therapy. Yeah. You, you When she first got home, she couldn't talk on the phone. She couldn't hear hard. TV or see TV. She couldn't respond to text messages or type. She couldn't even really read or write. Like that's, I mean, all those that's things are far... still limited, but they have better days. Right. Yeah. If um, you if you flooded or you tripped, like if she gets hungry, and she's not fed right away. Boom! It can happen like that, and you're flooded, you're tripped. Right, and that's why and, it's important and, to have this And then this all list. of all of the capability goes away. Because I knew that not eating was a trigger for me, although I didn't know what the trigger was or flooding was. I knew it was bad, but I forgot to tell anybody that, and so I was like. I'm hungry, we need to eat now. But they were like, we're doing something. I'm like, no, I'm hungry. And they're like, yeah, we're going to eat in a minute. I'm like... No, it's a now thing. I have okay. to eat now. And like, right. I just lost it. I don't know what I did. But right. I just had a flooding attack. Probably knocked the plate over or something. No. I don't... It's not usually like flailing, violent. Usually it's emotional crying and like horrible, horrible crying. Like you wouldn't want to hear it. Yeah, I, I, I'm i grateful, though, that, like, some people have these kind of brain injuries and things when they're very young, or they're born with them, or, or they happen at times where now nobody knew you beforehand, right? Does it, like, I, I knew you never did that kind of stuff before. The and so kids don't remember me from before. You were telling me how hard that was to hear. Yeah. I'm coming to terms with it a little bit more how'd now. That, how'd that conversation go? You just asked them, like... Yeah, I don't even remember how it came out. And they were just like... We listened. What was it? I don't know. I don't know what started it, but they said, yeah, I don't... I mean, obviously, they have memories of before, but to place me in those memories, I'm me, you know? And me comes with a stroke now. And they have trouble, like, Jasper asked me the other day, Mom, could you ever just run up and down the stairs? Oh, that's sad. It's like, yeah, honey. Yeah. Yeah, I could. Six months and one day ago. <laughs> that's that's but. sad. But to a kid, six months and one day is forever. 
Yeah. And it's not a surprise that they can't remember their pre-stroke mom. I know. It's going to have to be okay. I'm going to choose to thrive with it. It is what has happened to us. And so I feel like I should tell you that the story of the kid crying from flashy lights and eating too much Halloween candy was a flooding incident in which it was past my bedtime, which is past 8 o'clock, when I should be in bed. And there were two conversations going on. And they were not wild, raucous conversations. They were respectful, not loud. But I had to remove myself because I got flooded. And it made me sad, but not enough to cry. But the flooding just opened the floodgates. And I bawled insanely. Yeah, that was and a, I couldn't stop. A family function, right? Um, you know, you want to be normal. So you keep pushing the bounds of what normal people do, right? And then that that triggers but we can't worry about that now because you're it's not easy but you're getting better every day every day i'm working the dirt yeah you are working the dirt and i encourage anybody who's listening to this today to take the positive word choices into their family structure we're a culture of sarcasm and we're a culture of humor and that's all great but try to remember the very delicate balance that the words you choose pose on your family and, and the tone of voice and your mindsets right it's not easy for us no we but we're getting better every day <laughs> it's very hard we're having to change the entire culture of our family to figure out how to make this a successful place for christine to be and not just we were always negative before were we? No, I was just oh, kidding. Okay. Sorry. We were kind of naked. To be truthful, yeah, I mean, I used that voice, apparently, that Christine made. Um, <laughs> how does that go again? You're wrong. You're yeah. always wrong. <laughs> okay. You know, apparently, um, but there's just, it's natural. Stresses, kids, lives, jobs, and stuff. Everybody gets short-tempered, right? Or they just get, you know, surly. And um, all of that has just super negative impact you're just trying to get stuff done you're just putting out the fires you're not celebrating the small victories which is so important for everything in life if we don't do that then we won't weather the storms well when they hit because seeds are small they're tiny like tiny victories in your life but you have to celebrate them (laughs) for them to grow and thrive (laughs) you can't just say a dumb little tiny carrot seed you have to <laughs> nurture and be excited about it make much of it by putting it in a pot with, with good dirt and sand because it's a carrot seed and they like sandy soil and water <laughs> I learned, and giving it sun to make it grow i learned today that carrots need sandy soil all right yeah that's cool we better stop it there so hope you got something out of this and i love you guys